Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Jeff Harding and I'm sitting in for Kyle Case. Joining me in studio today is John Rosie Rosander. Rosie, how are you, my friend? I'm jolly. You are. You're always jolly, though. That's nothing new. It, but it is the season to be jolly. Yes, it is. Why, why would that be? Because we're getting close to Christmas? That's right. Well, I'm just glad that you're jolly and you're glad that you're here with me today. So, Rosie, uh, do you know which cancer is the fastest growing, not the most aggressive, but the one that's diagnosed with greater frequency right now? I don't. Well, according to an article by Brielle Gregory from Prevention.com, it's the thyroid cancer. Ooh, that's terrible. It is. There are several types of of thyroid cancers, uh, some being very aggressive while others are slow growing, but I thought it'd be good to be aware of some of the symptoms of it, so... Most people with thyroid cancer are asymptomatic, which means that they really don't know what's going on. They don't feel anything, which you, is why... You uh, kind of have a history with thyroid cancer. I, I do. I was going to bring that up later, but I do. I was diagnosed with it, and, and I, fall, I fall into this category. Um, I was asymptomatic. I didn't know that I had it, but they found it when they did some surgery on me. But So, uh, <laughs> so let's go over some of the symptoms that you need to be aware of, and I'll talk about the ones that I actually experienced, okay? Okay, great. All right, the first one is a change in your voice. Hmm. The, uh, one of the aggressive thyroid cancers can become symptomatic. One of the ways it can become symptomatic is by the local invasion of the structures surrounding the vocal cords. So I think I had it when I was 12. <laughs> no, that was, that was puberty. That was a little oh, different. Oh, that was different. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if, you, if, you hear, if you have hoarseness or your voice changes, you might, have, you might want to get checked. Another one is coughing up blood. Because the thyroid is intimately associated with the trachea and esophagus, in rare cases, it can actually cause you to cough blood. I haven't had that yet. I haven't either. Luckily. Yep. Difficulty swallowing or breathing. Advanced thyroid cancer can make swallowing or breathing difficult if the tumor is exerting pressure on the structures within the neck, including the windpipe or the food pipe. And that's what happened to me. I had trouble swallowing. That's what got me going to the doctor, and and he said, uh, you have a little bit of an issue, so... Actually, I didn't find the cancer until they actually cut on me, but but that was the reason I went to the doctor is because I was having difficulty swallowing. Well, I have trouble breathing, but I think that's because I'm out of shape. It has something totally different, too. That has nothing to do with the uh, thyroid. So another one is extreme diarrhea, and that's because a medullary thyroid cancer uh, produces a, a protein that uh, causes patients to have diarrhea. And so they'll go to their gastroenterologists sometimes for months or years trying to figure out what's going on. And the cause of the diarrhea turns out to be just this cancer, this thyroid cancer. So uh, they say that they can actually have to have bowel movements 10 to 15 times or 20 times a day. So if you're really having trouble with bowel movements, you might want to have uh, your thyroid checked. Yeah, if you have any of those, see the doctor. And the last one is the lump at the base of your neck. This symptom is what physicians will notice incidentally during a physical exam by feeling a lump in your thyroid gland, which is typically painless. And um, actually, mine was painless too, and I did have a a lump in my throat as well that once I pointed out to my doctor that I had trouble trouble swallowing, he looked and said, oh, look, this is your thyroid. It's it's big. It's swollen. Actually, the the tumor in my thyroid was, uh, I had several of them, had three of them, but the biggest one was an inch in diameter, so it was pretty big. And the last one is swollen lymph nodes. So as as your tumor gets bigger, it can also swell cause swelling in the lymph node, so get those checked. So if any of you have any of those symptoms, go see your doctor, for heaven's sakes. Definitely, yes. I've actually seen people walking, uh, you know, in, through work, 
like uh, walking down the street that I that I've known, and I've said, "Hey, have you had your thyroid checked? Because you got a big lump right there in your throat." So it is very real. And, and I've actually heard a story where a nurse was watching TV and saw one of the TV personalities wrote her a letter saying, "Hey, you might want to get your thyroid checked, and it was thyroid cancer." So. These are very real, and it is aggressive, and it can take you out. Not always, because a lot of them are slow-growing, but they can take you out. So you really do need to be careful. Now, changing directions entirely. Good. <laughs> let's do that. Yes. In fact, uh, let's, just, let's just kick the ball right out of the park, shall we? Yes, that's so, great. So joining us from San Diego, California, we have Brandy Mitchell, the founder of San Diego Soccer Women. How are you doing, Brandy? Hello, I'm doing well. How are both of you? I think we're doing well. How are you doing, Rosie? Yep, like I said, I'm jolly. <laughs> <laughs> so have you ever, if you, you haven't seen any of these symptoms, have you, Brandy? I have not, no. And definitely, I know the importance, you know, a lot with women, we talk about breast cancer and ovarian cancer, some of the, the ones that our doctors maybe speak most about that are specific to females, but obviously it's important to keep aware of all types of cancer and the symptoms that, that may be uh, affiliated with them. Right. And actually, this article, I didn't put it in here, but it said that in after puberty, women are four times more likely to get thyroid cancer than men are. So it is, it's a cancer that, that women especially need to be aware of. Absolutely. And so, Brandy, you, tell us, what, what is the San Diego Soccer Women? So, San Diego Soccer Women is an organization I started just over two years ago that basically just aims to bring visibility to women playing soccer at what I call older ages. So, that's 30 and up, um, mostly because in the United States we think of soccer as a youth sport. Um, obviously, we know about the national team, you know, women's, we have men's, um, adult soccer, but Looking at ages 30 all the way through 80, we have a great population of women playing soccer, and I wanted to make sure that not just locally in San Diego, but nationally and internationally, there's an awareness that this sport is something uh, that can be enjoyed within the community of, of um, women. Well, that's very cool. Now, so give me give me a, a, an idea of, of your background in sports. When you started growing up, you, where did you grow up and what was your neighborhood like? Yeah, I grew up uh, in the suburbs um, outside of Los Angeles. We have Ventura County, so it was um, a, a kind of a, your basic suburbs for um, California where I had access because so I'm 43 right now. Growing up in the 80s, we already had the benefits of Title IX, so I was able to play sports. Um, soccer was my main one, but I did, um, you know, a little field hockey. I played quite a bit of softball. You know, my family was kind of a sports family in general. I, I had three sisters, and we all had different sports and a few of the same ones that we were able to play together. Um, so growing up for me was kind of your typical being able to get on my bike and um, be active, go to the playground. Had a little bit of independence, but I was more of the generation where my parents knew where I where I was. We didn't have an app at that time for them to track me, but but we generally stayed close to home and then um, did family activities centered around sports. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. And so uh, you, you, you had the opportunity to play the soccer in, in school then and, and other sports. Yeah, so, yeah, so, which is quite different from a lot of the women right. that I meet, you know, in their 50s, 60s, and 70s who truly were not given the opportunity at all. So, Randy, I see you've also done a lot of traveling with soccer, uh, looks like. Yeah, you know, it was, it was funny because in around high school, I was given the opportunity to go to um, Canada with my California, my Southern California soccer team, uh, which I was so excited about because I studied French in junior high and into high school. So I was going to go to Montreal and speak French for the first time, um, which I did, but I also got mono right when I arrived um, in, in Ottawa. So oh, wow. 
ended up not being able to play a single game. I stayed in bed or, or sat on the sidelines the entire time. But but that little piece of it of understanding that I could travel and play, um, because again, I had you know the French experience. I, I saw that there was a world out there to to, to get to know. Uh, being able to pull that in now, and you know this year I've been just all over Europe, being able to not only bring visibility to women in the United States playing soccer, but learn more about the opportunities to play soccer abroad. What's the uh, most interesting pitch you've played on or been to? Gosh, um, you know, if if you have any access to social media and even some screensavers, you'll see there's a field in uh, what's called the Lofoten Islands in Norway. Uh, there's a gorgeous field that's basically like the entire peninsula in this archipelago of the Lofoten Islands. There's a town called Hennings Bar. It's got about 500 people there. Um, and that, that field right at the end is one that we visited last year. I brought a group of women aged, I was the youngest at 40, 42, um, and we took women all the way up until age 77. So there were 19 of us, um, and we went out and played on that field, and it was unbelievable. And we're actually going back next year. I'll be taking two different groups um, to be able to play on the field. And, and, you know, it was amazing just because the local community came out. They don't have their own women's league. They don't have women's soccer there. But they had women, you know, within a 30-minute uh, range to be able to drive over and um, come play with us. We're checking that out on uh, social media right now. That's an awesome field. That's great. Yeah. Follow, follow us next year. We'll be there at the, the end of July until the middle of August. You'll see you'll see us traveling through Norway um, and getting out on that field. So, And the, the uh, photographer is also the field manager, and he was able to get some drone footage. And wow. I was lucky enough to be posted on FIFA and a few other sites that got some really neat visibility. So although there were a few comments, I have to say that, they didn't mark it as being an older women's group. And so I saw these comments of people saying, wow, being really slow. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were expecting it was a youth game. But, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we definitely had a great time out there. So what, what do you see the difference, the main difference between the attitude of soccer in Europe and other places as opposed to the United States? How do you see us seeing it versus how they see it? Right. So for me, I'm always looking at this grassroots recreational level. I don't, I don't really, I, I didn't play into college. I went to a school that didn't have um, soccer. It was an international graduate school. So for me, whenever I talk about soccer, I'm really talking about just your everyday person getting out on the field. And that's anybody from age four all the way through age 94. So the difference I see for one is, um, like I mentioned earlier, that in the United States, we see soccer as a youth sport. Whereas in a lot of Europe, um, obviously in South America and in some other areas around the world, it's primarily a men's sport that they would have, you know, historically very strong um, kind of affiliation with the leagues that are local to their area or the larger leagues that are that are part of their country. And, and those would be men. So it's it's interesting here. Not only, you know, they do have women playing soccer obviously in other countries, but in the end, internationally, it's still kind of owned by men. And that's something that I'm hoping to see change, um, mostly because it is such a great community of people in, you know, of all genders and all ages that there's so many benefits to it. I'd like to see it expand beyond the scope of just what, what men are enjoying. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job of it with your, with your raising the awareness and finding women to play soccer with your, with your women around the world. So that's great. Yeah. Brandy, exactly. what uh, type of health benefits do you feel like you get from uh, playing soccer? Gosh, you know, I have to say, you know, the adrenaline rush alone is worth it to me personally. <laughs> but um, but clearly, I mean, beyond just the fact that you're out there moving your body in a way that, that brings a lot of mental health benefits um, and talking about community and, and loneliness and having friends, all of these things are happening when it comes to playing playing soccer. 
Um, and then, of course, there's building strength, you know, and we always recommend, you know, anytime I'm talking to women who are either getting into soccer for the first time or getting back into it after a period of time, that you really do have to understand that your body, your muscles, your ligaments are moving in ways that they really aren't used to. Um, even if you do cross training, even if you're a runner or even if you play softball, that these are still different muscles being used. So I always recommend to get back into the gym, you know, get into some other exercises that, that do have. Uh, more of those quick movements, more of the side-to-side, -side, more of the twisting and turning. So so the benefits of building muscle, keeping your bones strong, obviously really obvious for, for women, something that's talked about um, being able to, to keep through weight training, through strength training, but also through some of these movements, being able to, to keep your bones strong. So, Brandy, you may be, I'm sure you're probably aware of this, but uh, of not, not this fact, but a fact I'll come to in a minute, but during the at the games, we used to have a lady that was affiliated with the games who did body age testing. In other words, she would, you know how long you hold your chronologically because that's how many years you've been on the earth, but the body age is, uh, yes, how old right. is your body is compared to other people your age. And she tested all the athletes that we, not all that, but a lot of the athletes that we have here. And she found that the soccer women had the youngest body age of any of the athlete groups. You're kidding me. Nope. I love to hear that. So that's something that you can use in your promotion now that, that if you want to, if you want to stay young and look young and feel young, then be a soccer player. Right, right, except I have to uh, defend myself here that a lot of the times we talk about in my social media that, you know, aging is not a negative thing, and, oh, and no. there's so much talk. I mean, one, one big topic I go over a lot is that we're not girls, right, that women, women are right. women, and there is a definition already to the word girl, and when we talk about being young, we see that as a positive thing, but we also want to see aging and growing older as a positive thing. So looking younger and feeling younger, I, I totally get that concept, but I also want to emphasize that that we do, we're really trying to fight ageism in it and change this concept. And, and I know with Huntsman, they're, they're so positive about that, just making right. sure that we don't see aging as a negative and as a downfall. And, you know, I, I, it's obvious that there are changes that are going to happen that aren't as fun. But, um, but right. definitely seeing, seeing that being young has its benefits, but so does growing older. Well, it sounds like with our statistic that uh, the more soccer games you play, the younger you'll be. Right, right. Except for you still have to play with your age group, though. <laughs> right, right. So, speaking about the Husband World Series games, we started soccer how many years ago, Rosie? Oh, it's been about 10 years. So, 10 years ago, we, we, we brought soccer in, and we've only had a women's program to this point. Uh, but we're seeing great growth in that in that sport. We're up to how many teams now this year? We had right. uh, 34 teams, I believe. Uh, we were full. We couldn't take any more teams. Wow! Wow! And so I love it. So it, it's great to see that that this that there is growing acceptance among the older adults, the senior adults, whatever word we want to use, that uh, that soccer is is a, a game for them that they can still play in and still participate in. Exactly. Exactly. And and I'll say here that hopefully over time, uh, Huntsman will bring in what what's called walking football in Europe and walking soccer. It's something that I'm hoping to bring um, not only to Southern California but beyond. Um, and for a couple of reasons, one is it's a great sport for elite athletes who've had to step away from the game, no matter the age, right? And and walking soccer is basically the same game. It's usually 66 to 8v8, you know, depending on the pitch size, a little uh -huh. bit smaller goals. But instead of running, you are just doing a speed walking or power walking movement. So you can't have, you know, kind of both feet lifted at the same time with your knees up, but you can walk as fast as you can. And I, I just recently played with the, the England national team and the Guernsey national team women. Um, and it tends to be an over 50 sport. 
uh, which is great, you know, age-wise. So you have your elite athletes who maybe, and that's kind of how it started is seeing that men were retiring. You know, they were, they were done being able to play but right. still wanted to be out on the field. And then we also have the other extreme where you have women and men who've never played before or again at older ages, maybe just aren't, aren't able to run mm-hmm. um, or, you know, due to injury. And they can start out with this sport and do it more as a beginner and then move into a faster pace as they can. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what kind of progress I can make out here. There's actually quite a few leagues and teams already forming around the U.S., um, but part of it, again, is my view of internationally for, for especially women over 40 and 50 to have competition abroad, um, then I've got to be able to teach them walking soccer so that we can we can get involved in those tournaments. That sounds and like again, more... And again, bringing um, the Huntsman, you're going to be able to bring tournaments. You know, that's one challenge I hear a lot is tournaments in the United States and even, even part of the, you know, Masters Games and other organizations targeted towards seniors is that we often end up playing the same teams we may play here in the U.S. or Canada, Australia, um, just because there isn't the reach internationally of women over 50 playing soccer and as much as that's changing, um, I'd love to see more teams internationally with women's soccer coming to Huntsman, um, and that may be one thing that pulls them in. It's, it's offering this walking soccer option. That sounds like it's more my speed, too. I'll have to look yeah, at that. Right. I don't want to drop it. You'd any- be surprised, but yes, it definitely uh, gives it's that, that in-between, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to make this sound too easy. But Rosie's the person you need to talk to at the games if you wanted to see if something like that could be happening here at the games. Gotcha. <laughs> I will, I'll be there. Hint, yeah. hint, hint. <laughs> we'll have to look at it. So you've yeah. had your soccer team at our games for the last several years, haven't you? So I so I play on several teams, but I'm at this point too young to be at some of the um, the senior competitions. But we have women from San Diego there absolutely every year. I know quite a few of them. Uh, and and they're out there playing, and I know some of them. I I think the entire ten years you've had women's soccer, the San Diego teams have been represented, and then a lot of our San Diego women join up with teams from around the U.S. So there may be a combination of women from Virginia and Washington and Oregon, and and again San Diego, or other areas of Southern California, forming tournament teams, which which I think is just an absolute blast to see these women who may only see each other two or three times per year, but they get out on the field and and have a great time. So have you have you talked to them about, about their experience here at the games? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's one thing on my website on SanDiegoSoccerWomen.com is I have a tournament directory. And, and for me, you know, I, I own that in the sense that I want to make sure the tournament, because, you know, no one's paying me to put them on there. It's not, it's not sponsored. I'm not answering to anyone else. When I do post a tournament and I'm, I'm giving that information out to women all over the country, I want to make sure that I have some information about what that tournament is like. And so I've, I've talked to women from all over the U.S. about Huntsman and always positive, I have to say. You know, I'm looking for those negatives. And I know that, you know, they've said surveys have gone out, that, that you're open to getting feedback. Uh, but I've heard, you know, my big things are, are the pitches safe, you know, are the fields good quality, are there risks of tripping and, you know, holes and lumps of grass, because that's one thing we see that ends up being dangerous, especially for oh, the yeah. age 60 plus community of women's soccer players. Um, are there, is there, is there music? Is there a sense of festival? You know, are there events that are happening to bring the women together while they're out? Um, and then obviously in the region, are there things to do, you know, since women have traveled, are there things to do around that area? Uh, and from what I've heard, then Huntsman's met all of those. It sounds like we can check all those boxes off as having been done. Yeah, those are all things that we look at, too, to, to make it not just uh, a, an enjoyable, good game or tournament, but a destination where they can come and, and socialize and see other sites and do other things while they're here. Right, right. And, and while taking their athleticism seriously, and, and I think that's one thing even in our local leagues we have to be careful of is it, it's 
it's easy to sit and watch these women in their 60s, 70s, and 80s playing soccer and, and appreciate, you know, how hard they're working as athletes to get out there. But it's also, you know, they're silly and fun and they play around with each other. But I like to see events, um, you know, with good quality referees and, and taking, you know, scheduling really well, making sure they acknowledge that these women not only are athletes, um, but, you know, are serious about the fact that they're playing the sport. So I, I want to give you credit for that also. Well, we'll take credit for that. <laughs> Rosie can take credit for that. He's the director of sports for the games. So, so Brandy, how, how many games a year do you think you play? I, I generally am in two or three leagues um, at any given time, and that would give me two or three games per week. I try to back off a season or two. I've actually had two years in a row that I've gotten injured in actually on the same day um, in April. Each year I injured myself, so I've had a torn MCL for about six months now that that feels a lot better. I just started playing again. So if if I were to average that out, um, you know, taking off some seasons, I definitely have a couple hundred under my belt each year. Uh, Wow, that is a lot. No wonder you uh, sound so young. (laughs) Well, (laughs) women's soccer, right? That's right. (laughs) So, so Brandy, what would you say to somebody who's listening that's just maybe sitting on the couch or hasn't been active for a while? What would you say to them to maybe help motivate them to get up and get going? The, the big thing I want, I want to see nationally, if not internationally, would be women talking to their local leagues. So they may not be involved in soccer at all, but there must be a youth league nearby. There must be some kind of recreation center, some kind of sports club that has the capacity to offer beginner training for women and men, but especially for women of all ages. So not only just it's one thing to go out and look for a team or a league to play on, but if you're new, trying to get to the experience level that, that's already established is really challenging. And, and I really, it hurts me to see times that I'll get women involved. You know, I keep a list of women who are interested in playing and I attach them to a team and then realize they're injured um, or burnt out within the first couple of games because it was just the wrong level of challenge or the wrong experience. Right. So I'd really like to see women reach out to local organizations to say, I want to play. I have a couple of friends who want to play. Can you start a beginner program? Teach us and then let's form leagues from there. So that's what I would say first and foremost. Um, and then obviously getting getting into running um again strength training doing a few things to get your body strong acknowledging that this sport really is challenging for the body um and then make friends you know start meeting women who are playing and and ask for recommendations and become part of their community even if you're subbing in every few games it it means a lot to to be part of something like this it does so you're suggested the first place they might look is local recreation departments or or youth soccer leagues Right, exactly. Let them know that there's a need um, because they have the resources. It's just, you know, I think I still hear, especially with co-ed organizations around, that that they have a hard time getting women to fill the co-ed spots. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I hear that being pulled into the idea that women don't want to play or they don't show up. Uh, But co-ed is a very different game and and often very negative for for women in their experience. So. I would say, you know, if it's, especially if it's in an area where they only have co-ed and they, they, they want to say out loud, we don't get women to show up, ask again, start a beginner training league for women and let's start it out from there because we have to get the funnel, you know, get the women in to, as beginners, get them in as returning players before we can really establish um, their own leagues. But, but there are hundreds of leagues out there um, ready, and some of them do have their own training programs built in that are they're just specific for women. 
Brandy, we want to thank you so much for sharing your advocacy for women's soccer and soccer in general with us. It sounds like you're quite the advocate for it and you have quite the passion for it. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to, to, to share everything I know and always be a resource. And, and we're looking forward to you in six more years joining at the Huntsman World Senior Games. I'll be there. Believe me, I, it's one, one situation where you say, I can't wait to be 50. Right? <laughs> but I, I have so many women asking me to join their teams, and I'm like, oh, I'm too young. So, yes, I look forward to it. All right. Well, thanks again, Brandy. We'll talk to you later. Thank you. So we want to thank Brandy for joining us today, and we want to thank you for joining us, and we invite you to join us each and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life on St. George News Radio, 1450 AM. You can also listen to this or any other past shows at www.seniorgames.net. You can also subscribe to our podcast. Just search for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life in Google Store or on iTunes and subscribe. So, Rosie, Christmas is just around the corner. In fact, it's um, next Wednesday. It is, and I want to get ready. Well, I am ready. (laughs) I think an excellent gift anyone could give themselves is to be an athlete of the 2020 Huntsman World Senior Games. Dates for the 2020 Games are October 5th through the 17th. Registration opens in just over three months, so plan now to be to join 11,000 of your closest friends at the Huntsman World Senior Games. And team registration begins January 1st. That's right, so if you want a soccer team, you got to go online January 1st to do it. That's right. So if you have any comments or feedback about our show, we'd love to hear from you. Just send an email to activelife at seniorgames.net. And Rosie, we have a quote for the day. It says... People often say that motivation doesn't last. Well, neither does bathing. That's why I recommend it daily. That's from Zig Ziglar. (laughs) That's a good thing to do that. Yes, I do. I agree with you. So have a great day. Stay active. Until next time, everyone. See ya. See ya.